You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church Ross on Y. To find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. The last times that I've done a little talk, it's been to Women's Institute. So um, I have I had 45 minutes and questions and answers, and I didn't ask Andrew beforehand. How long, Andrew? When do you like me to sit down? Ten minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 that was good. <laughs> okay, when, when people begin to fall asleep, I'll know I should sit down. I'm going to start to read from um, Luke chapter 10, verse 25, should any of you want to go there. Luke 10, 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Thank you so much for inviting me this morning. Uh, I guess I first got to know something of you guys just in the joint prayer meetings that we've had. I, I knew um, Tracy Ann from my time in venture. She sometimes comes and helps lead worship, I believe. Um, but the heart of God that you express when you've come, just the two meetings I've managed to make, joint prayer meetings, I'm so thankful to call you my brothers and sisters in Ross. And it gives me such encouragement that God is going to do something great among us. Here with Ross. Just to, just to say, who have you got in front of you? Just to give you a little bit of history, background. I was born in Wrexham in North Wales. I met my wife in Llanelli. I spent about 15 or 16 years in Cardiff, um, five years previously in Monmouth. And this is my first time across the border in England for quite a while. The last time I was allowed across the border into England, I was in Bristol. I'm going to take you back to 1993 in Bristol. It was one evening in Bedminster, in this old hall in Bedminster. And I was as a visiting YWAM speaker that particular night in Bedminster. And uh, it's only in hindsight I can realise where I really was in my own heart and in my own life. I'd been asked by my church to move into our church fellowship house. I wasn't too keen to go there. My dad hadn't long died. And I was able to live with a lovely young couple, young family. It was restful. It was peaceful. I really enjoyed it. Oh, no, I'm being asked to go into the church's fellowship house. 
And I knew that God would say, Ian, go. The issue was, one of the guys who lived there had come from a background of black magic. Another guy had come from a background of white magic. Another one was an alcoholic. And the fourth one was just a little bit paranoid in some ways. And I was supposed to be going in there as a stabling influence. I'd been there for a number of months. But only in hindsight did I realize it. I had excuses as to why God could not do something new and fresh through my life. I'm just wondering, what are you sitting here today thinking that God cannot do? Have you ever said to God, you can't do this or you can't use me in this particular way? You may not even realize that's the attitude and the thoughts that you're sitting with here this morning. But it's so good when God breaks through, when he comes and brings the peace that maybe one of you are wanting because he's got so much to give us, so, so much to give us. So I was in this hall in Bedminster this one particular evening, and the visiting speaker, I came up to him, and I said something along the words of, I can't understand it. In my heart, I'm just wrestling with the issue of child prostitution. I just cannot understand. I don't nothing about it. And he maybe chat a little bit more. And then he said to me, these strong, I've never had anyone say this to me since or before or since. Ian, you're sinning. You need to go. What God's put within you, unless you go, it'll destroy you. I, I looked at him, doubting him totally still. But I thought, okay, I'm willing. I'm, I'm willing to learn. So I said, God, if I, if I am sinning, I'm really sorry. The next thing, I had to lie on the floor. I wasn't touched. I wasn't prayed for. I had to lie on the floor. The holiness of God is so awesome. And he said a few things to me. It changed my life completely. And I got up off that floor a different person. Are you saying this morning, God, you can't do this? Are you saying it's impossible to change my situation? Are you saying in my workplace it's really tough? I don't know what to do. Oh, when God breaks through, when you're willing to say, less of me, more of you, God. So give him the opportunity to come and make a difference. Who knows where he'll take you? Who knows where you'll end up? And don't say to me, well, I'm in my 70s. I'm in my 80s. I'm in my 90s. I can point to many characters in here. Age is just God doesn't bother in terms of age is concerned. For me, I, was, um, I, I didn't know enough. I was single. I'm an accountant. I hadn't long been a believer. I had the excuses lined up in my heart and mind without even realizing it. God changed my life completely. And God's in the business of changing lives. We read a fantastic story this morning of God connecting with this guy out on the road. But I just look back over the last, couple, the last chapter of Luke 9 and Luke 10, and I've called that something of the great disconnect. If we start off at Luke 9.51, it says, when the time came for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, he resolutely set out on the road towards Jerusalem. Now, it left me thinking, he was, the time came for him to be taken up to heaven? You know, human thinking would be, oh no, I've got this cross before me. I've got to go and do this. How we think about the day that's ahead, how you're thinking about the problems that you've come in with, maybe the lack of peace that you've got, maybe the new school term and some of those people that you're working with, what's happening in your school, in your family, in your life, how you think about that will really affect, let God come in and change how you're thinking. Let him breathe his life into you and that passion into you so you can change your thought process. 
change how you go out. You can be completely different. Jesus, what a way to think. When the time came for him to go up to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. What a mindset. He knew the joy that was set before him. That's why he went. He was going to heaven. But yes, he was going to a cross. He had something else to do in the meantime. But ultimately, he was going to heaven. How are you thinking? What's the day ahead like? What's the week ahead like? Are you thinking, oh, no, I'm going to face this. It's going to be like this. Let him breathe his life in you and change. And then we go on to a number of other stories. They went, to, they went through the same area Jesus has talked about, Samaria, and they weren't welcomed in one place. As far as the disciples are concerned, shall we ask God to call down fire on them? That was their response. And he rebuked them. No. And then others came up to him and said, I'll follow you wherever you go. He says, foxes have got holes. The birds have got nests. Follow me. They weren't willing to necessarily. Another one said, let me go and first bury my, my parents. What are our excuses? What stands in the way of God working through you? Where you are now in your own situation, we may have reasons why he can't do. He's God. <laughs> He's so awesome. He's wanting to work. So I've come this morning to talk about working on the streets in Ross. Please, you may be thinking, well, I, I could have done that 50 years ago. I could have done that a while ago. Please don't think that this morning. Who knows? God may want to use you to do that. Why am I speaking about working on the streets in Ross? Well, I work for Venture now. My previous role, five years as a rural missioner, Herefordshire, Monmouth, show with a group of Baptist chapels. I am now a part of Ross Baptist Church, but I, I love having you guys as neighbours, arm and arm and arms together. It's fantastic to serve God in this town that he's brought me to. I've been living in Ross now for about three or four months, I think. My family had been going to Ross Baptist Church for all the time in my previous five-year position. I got to go every two or three months, maybe. Now in Venture, I head up the street presence work where we're working out in the streets. Nighttime, it's street pastors. Daytime, it's ambassadors. And we're training some of the aspiring medics at Sixth Form College. We're bringing them into opportunities to work in a safe place where people can come at nighttime. They may be inebriated. They may be intoxicated. They may have had drugs. They may have been spiked. They may have gone through some relational issues and struggles and breakdown. They may have these things they want to disclose. And in this safe place, they do disclose for the first time what's maybe happening within the family. And it's great to see these young sixth formers grow in confidence. And just a simple thing is like, hello, my name is Ian. What's your name? You know, sometimes it's just the, those communication skills that sometimes we can struggle with. So I came in to head up the street presence work. And I can remember my wife saying to me the first time I went out, Ian, do you get any protection, any, any, any like vest or whatever? And I said, no, no. And the second question, are you fearful? Well, I've got to be honest. Yes, I was a little bit. Because we don't want people to be volunteering out in the street to think oh, I can do it, it's easy, it's all. Sometimes a, a healthy reality, a respect, something of a fear of what could happen. Not a crippling, overwhelming fear but just giving God that opportunity to come and step in. My first night out on the streets. And I can remember I had this guy come up to me within 30 minutes. I was an observer because I was still a new kid on the block, even though I headed up that, the work. I, I'd never done it before. So it's just that strange situation. And I was asked just to go and observe, see what's happening. And this guy came up to me. He'd had a little bit to drink, maybe. 
He said, you saved my ex-girlfriend's life 12 years ago. Well, I knew that drink had an effect. Sweet Pastor had only been going for nine years. So as far as he's concerned, this is 12 years ago. But the reality of what had happened for his ex-girlfriend, it was real. It was coming out of him. And I can remember someone else that night, you're bleep legends. The street pastors, oh yeah, they love us. 99.9% of the people that we'd meet on the street absolutely love the street pastors. And we may not go out there and preach, but one of the things I'd loved, we heard a, a church leader from Hereford say, do you know what can happen on a Tuesday after you've helped someone on a Saturday? They may come into our church, into our coffee shop, our toddler group, our food bank or whatever. Oh, the street pastors on Saturday, they were so good. They, they helped me with that. Do you know why they do it? It's the heart of Jesus. It's a love. They're then able to have the conversations. Because we're partnering with the police and with the council and churches across the city, we're not always able to say what we... If people ask us, why do you do what you do? Where do you all come from? Well, we come from the Baptist church, the Anglican church, the Catholic church, CLC. We come from... We're all from different church. All from different church. You all work together. No, we don't work. We volunteer. What? You're volunteering on the streets, one o'clock. Why do you do it? Ah, oh, because of the love of Jesus. Had this one guy. It's a carpet in our safe place. And he's got this bowl because he's just about to be sick inside the bowl. And he looks up at one of our volunteers and says, why do you do this? And he thought, well, that's a strange. I didn't expect him to say this as he's just about to fill this bowl up. But he's looking at me, why did you do this? And um, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it's along the lines of, because I sometimes get in a mess. I want you, I've, I've been times in my life when I've been in a mess. I needed Jesus to come alongside me. So, as I said, this is Hereford. Fast forward two years, and we are now um, where we are. Um, we have had some funding from West Mercia Police. West Mercia Police were instrumental in the starting of street pastors. For street pastors to start in any town or city, it needs at least three congregations, it needs a local council, and it needs the police force to be a part of that, um, that agreement to start it. So the police had come to us and asked us because they'd said as far as crime in Hereford, it's worse at night time and it affects the 18 to 25 year olds. They may not be not the ones who are committing the crime, but that's when it's worse in Hereford. We know statistically, get this, the church doing the street pastors on the street and we can make such a difference in terms of crime levels are concerned. Would you be willing to do it? Was the question that the police came. It took a little bit of time. We got up and running. The expectancy was from the door staff and from others, look at these group of do-gooders. We'll give them a couple of weeks and then or a couple of months and then they'll be back out of the way. Now, 10, 11 years later, we're valued partners in the nighttime economy. Street pastors, it's a part of the Ascension Trust, so it has to be people from the local church. Um, there's, a there's a likelihood or a possibility of some funding to start Safer Streets and the initiative in Ross and Lempster in the coming months. And uh, this is as a result of the Sarah Everard case. So Sarah Everard's at Westminster, um, Whitehall, they are putting some money via um, the police forces into the issue about violence against women and girls. So um, I was obviously tasked to look and consider what can we do here within Ross. And, uh, and then it's about three weeks ago, I got an email 
from the deputy town clerk here in Ross. And she'd had a meeting that was, a, I think it was the Economic Tourism and Business Group had met together. And between them, they decided we need street pastors in Ross and Y. Have you ever thought, Venture, of starting street pastors in Ross and Y? And I thought, well, if the police are wanting us to do something, if the town council are wanting us to do something, come on, church, this is our opportunity. This is our window to make a difference. Now, if I go back, yeah, I was a little bit fearful. I wasn't too sure. No, I didn't have any body armour on me. But one of the things that we, I think, are good at with InVenture is helping volunteers to both be safe and feel safe. Because if we were asking people to go out into the streets, we want you to both feel safe and to be safe. So the training and all the ways that we're working, that's what we're working towards. So um, that's our opportunity on the streets of Ross and Y. Now, the local police have asked us to consider something between nine at midnight, three days a week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, I've mentioned it in Ross Baptist Church a few times in various meetings. I haven't stood up as yet on a Sunday morning. So you were my first guys I'm coming to. And I was so excited, the anticipation. What can we do? I'm not asking you to come out every Thursday night, every Friday night and every Saturday night. That's a bit much. But could you spare three hours, maybe once a month? Quite a number of you. And if you're still sitting there thinking, I'm too old, Ian. You know, St. Hostel. Their oldest street pastor is 93 years old. Now, I'm not going to look at anyone in specifically when I mention that age. 93 years old. And the people in the town, they love this lady. There is such a respect for grandmas when they go out onto the streets. They love grandmas out on the streets. So don't think that you're too old to come and join us. We'll give you the training. We'll equip you. We'll equip you as far as first aid work is concerned, some mental health training, um, safety on the streets, CCTV, we'll give you a uniform. At the moment, we're just trying to put it together. I haven't got it all sorted. We haven't got the funding 100%, so it's a bit like egg, chicken, what do you do? But this is our opportunity to make a difference. The town are asking for it. The council are asking for it. I've lived in Ross and Y for, as I said, for maybe five months now. And I went to meet with this one particular lady, and um, She's been in Ross for quite a while, but it's only when I moved here, someone said to me, oh, you must meet. I'm not going to give the name of this individual. So I met with them once, this individual. And um, I got, we got to talk about things about faith and Jesus, as you, as you do. I love to just bring Jesus in, gossip the gospel or whatever. And she said, well, yes, I, I'm a believer. And uh, she said, I come alongside people. I love people. That was her understanding of what Jesus is like, coming alongside people, coming along the alongside the broken and the hurting. Luke 9 shows all these disconnects, you know, people that are not meeting one with another. Wouldn't you love a way to just to supplement and add to that possibility of making a difference out on the street with some of those who are needy? I can remember my, before I became a, a believer, the summer I became a believer in 1986, I was out in the pubs, I was out in the clubs, I knew what it was like to have a good time on a Friday or Saturday night, I enjoyed a good party, then a summer camp opportunity came and I was asked to go and spend a month, no, uh, three months, Salvation Army, Camp America, and I was thinking, 
Salvation Army. All I know about them is war cry and brass bands. What's this going to be like? But to meet people who love Jesus, for the first time for me, you know, these, some of these people on the streets, their idea of church is, church, I'll never go to church. I feel bad enough as I am at this particular time. That's what some people think about church is concerned. This is our opportunity to be church out in the street, to kneel alongside someone. They may have heels, they may have taken their heels off, just to come alongside them, kneel down, maybe again take a shoe off, and just put a flip-flop onto each foot. We're seen as the guys who hand out flip-flops and bottled water. Oh, there's much more happening behind that. When you've been doing it for a while, you get an eye and an ear for where people are at, what's happening. So, would you join me in making a difference here within Ross? Maybe just once a month is what I'd ask. I've got some leaflets here, so um, please take a leaflet, um, one each. I've got a sign-up sheet. Now, I'm not asking you to sign up now and to make a commitment, but if, um, if you think, yeah, maybe once a month I could be involved in that, then at least it gives me an opportunity um, to get back in touch. Now, why have I come here first? Well, partly because Andrew's invited me, but also partly because I believe that God's really in it. We could brand it Street Pastors, which would mean it would be exclusively for the church, Maybe we will do. I don't know if 15 of you say, well, yeah, once a month I could do that, Ian. Then maybe we'd have the opportunity. But at the moment, we're wondering about branding it ambassadors because I met with one lady in Ross and Wine. She's got such a fear, uh, it's a medical condition, of people vomiting. She just, it just does something for her. And, and she wants to be involved in our medical work in Hereford at night time. So, um, I said to her, well, we're starting something in Ross. She said, are you? I've worked in the pubs in Ross. I've worked in, and I, I've sat at people in the market square at nighttime and I've helped them into a taxi. And, you know, it's a great opportunity to come alongside this particular lady. On Wednesday, I was out in Hereford in the daytime. Again, ambassadors this is. So this is people who haven't got faith as well as people who've got faith. Oh, one volunteer. Her understanding of Christians is concerned. Oh yeah, I had a group of Christian people that I knew at one particular time, and they told me because I didn't believe I was going to go to hell. You know, that puts up something of a barrier in someone's life if that's the message they've got from the church. We came across her and her daughter as street pastors in Hereford at night time, able to help her and chat to her. She's having chips outside the Golden Galleon late one night. And we had a good... And she asked, well, how can I be involved? Well, she can't get involved in street pastors because she doesn't go to church. It's obviously told, spoken to her sensitively, but why don't you come in the daytime? She nine and no, 10 and one or one and four and be an ambassador. It's open to anyone. A year later, as an ambassador, she's been doing it now. On Wednesday, we had this guy come talk to us in a store and said, do you have to be religious? Doing this particular thing, volunteering. And there's four of us there, three of us in church. And I was standing next to our one lady who's not a, a believer. And I was just intrigued, what's she going to say? Oh, no, I'm not religious at all. And then, here you go, you can join it. And he thought, fine, good, I can join them. And off he walked. That was the end of that conversation. But for me, it then opened up the opportunity to talk to her. She'd known me for a year. And fairly early on to the conversation, she was saying that, you know, if you'd asked me to come to a church event now, one of you guys, I think I'd come along a year ago. She wouldn't. So if we do brand it ambassadors, 
an opportunity to work alongside someone who hasn't got faith yet. What an opportunity. And I spoke to her then for about 10 or 15 minutes, gave her my testimony, how I'd come to the Lord and, and various other things. And she said to me afterwards, Ian, I've never heard you speak like that. And you've given me something to think about. I'm going to go away and process, process that, she said. Well, I had the opportunity because we were volunteering alongside. I don't often go out in a shift with her on Thursday mornings, but she's got to know me over a period of time. This is our opportunity to get to know maybe some others within Ross make a difference. So if the police want us to do it, if the town council are wanting us to do it, I'd want the church to be at the forefront of the response. Yes, we can open it up to others. And I've been asked by the town council. I've got a meeting this Wednesday with the, the uh, uh, clerk and the deputy clerk. And uh, we're hoping that some type of partnership. And one of the questions she's asked me is, where have you gone so far, Ian? Who are you partnering with? Who are you asking? Well, I was honest and said, I've, I've spoken to a few people. I go to Ross Baptist. So I've just asked those I know. I didn't say I was coming along here this morning. But would you like to be involved? Only asking maybe once a month. I know that some of our guys, street pastors, who are retired, they, they're volunteering two or three times a month. So we'd, I, I'm not going to say no to that, if that's, but I don't want to ask for something which is too much. Three hours, um, nine to 12, at least initially, that's our ask. Um, who knows where that may take us? Why? Because God wants to make a difference in Ross. God wants to do something. There's someone in Ross Marketplace, the town council say, and they'd sold their clothing. They're intoxicating. They're in the position they, they were in. Isn't this the type of person Jesus is talking about in Luke 10? That opportunity to come alongside someone, make a real connection and make such a difference. Oh, the heart of Father is to bring all the children back to himself. Sometimes we're needing to go right where they're at right in the mess that they're in, just to capture something of his heart. And in a team environment, we are able to make something of a difference. So I've got a um, sign-up sheet here. Um, I don't know how you want to do it, Andrew, in terms of... Um, but I, I'd love it for you guys to come and chat to me afterwards. That's it. And, um, you know, you've been a lot quieter in the Women's Institute. I'd have had hands up by now saying, oh, I've got this question. So why don't a couple of quick questions before I'm thrown off because it takes too long. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the training, because I've, we, the funding's not secure completely, but I'm wondering about three days, maybe three Saturdays. And um, first day, oh, we'd have like adventure ways of working just to introduce you to venture, what we like, how we'd, how we'd like you to work um, with us. Um, CCTV. At the moment, there are six cameras within Ross and Y, um, and a part of the funding that may come would possibly enable more cameras to be in. In Hereford, at the moment, street pastors, we're only within the areas where CCTV is. That's a part of you being safe and feeling safe as well as us. Now, I've, we've done a survey in Ross. We served over 200, mainly females, about the perceptions and the reality of safety and nighttime and daytime within Ross. So we know there's a need, we know that people are fearful. Um, so the, and the well, going back to training, first aid, um, yeah, maybe some manual handling as well. Haven't yet decided, are we going to, if, if, we're, if funding is awash, if God opens up the floodgates of heaven, then yeah, we may have a vehicle here as well, may operate out the vehicle, otherwise it may be from a, a center of one particular room, 
if we were to go to a room, yeah, we may need CCTV within the room. Because what are you going to do if someone has soiled their, their clothing and they're out in the nighttime? We, we need, want to be handling and helping this person sensitively, lovingly, and helping them to be cleaned up. And in Hereford at the moment, we have got a box they're onesies, actually, I think, among other things. And that's what we sometimes put people into before we get family or friends or the taxis involved in taking them home. So did that answer the question? Maybe about, maybe about three days of training. Any other questions or shall I sit down? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Lean on Me at the moment is not open every Saturday, but it's maybe about three or four um, Saturdays a month, mainly because we haven't got the leaders or the students all sufficient. Um, and also, the nighttime economy is really changing in Hereford. Before COVID, peak time was two o'clock in the morning. During COVID, the peak time was from 11 till midnight. Now, the peak time, the nighttime economy in Hereford is six till seven in the evening. Huge changes in terms of how people are living, entertaining. And I don't know if you've seen this in Ross, but the fact that we're being asked to do this because there are more people that are in a state. There are more people who are, um, are needing some support. Interesting. Yeah. We just suggested that maybe one of the pubs uh, would be open to have a, a, a space. The door staff, the pub and the club owners are some of our best partners in Hereford. And you know what? They'll phone up the office, they'll phone up my colleague, Mike the boss, and they'll share things that they're going through, some of the struggles. That's what happens when you build up relationship over a period of time with those who are in need within the towns, such as Ross. I pray. Father, we love you. I thank you that you've opened up the floodgates of heaven. You have done everything that's possible. You've shed your blood. You've held nothing back, which means it is possible for us to receive peace this day, Lord. Peace for those situations that we may be hurting, God. But Father, I want to thank you. It is so exciting to be your child, Lord and to be given opportunities to serve you. And there's just no way I would have expected to have done some of the things I did after 30 years, Lord. When you open up the doors, when you challenge, when you speak lovingly and gently to us. Father, I thank you for this town. You love the people in this town who are needy. Father, help us to be brave and courageous if we need to be. Just to walk on a journey hand in hand with you. And who knows what a difference may happen. As your kingdom come and your will is done here within Ross. And we see lives turned around because of the love and the power of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for one another and this night. We love you, Lord. Yeah. The next step would be at some stage, um, either I or one of my colleagues will just get back in touch. So it's name, email address, mobile number, phone number. And um, yeah, um, it would be a, 
there would be a safer recruitment way. So we would like to take you through maybe a little interview, um, DBS checks, references. One I'm sure would be from a church leader, maybe a friend. So it's safer. We don't want to just recruit anyone and everyone. We'll do it safely. And then um, the, within that, there'd be a, a conversation that we'd have with you one on one. <laughs> Your reputation's gone before you. <laughs> um, yeah, and then there would be the training. But at any stage in this whole process, it's for you to say, um, I'm not too sure if it is really for me. But if you can pray, you know, maybe on the right, on Hereford, we got prayer pastors, people who are praying on a regular basis. The number of times coincidences happen when we're out. Please, the door, the numbers, we're there just at the right time. I'll give you two very quick examples and I'll sit, sit down. So we're out on the um, Bishop's Meadow, night time, after all the sex, attack, the, the sex attacks that took place in Hereford along the riverbank last summertime. And we're there in, in our team vehicle, which is called a donkey. The donkey, because of the, sorry, the Good Samaritan. So the police, the door staff, the pub, the clubs, they all know of the donkey. If you got the donkey out tonight, they'll say, it's just another bridge building way, an opportunity to say why we call a vehicle a donkey. So we're there driving the donkey, Bishop's Meadow. We're, we're doing a loop, coming back along the footpath, and we see a dog on the footpath. And we're thinking, well, the dog wasn't there when we came out 30 minutes ago, or whatever, 30 seconds ago. The dog's there. We stop the vehicle. We get out. The dog leads us to its owner. Owner is in the summertime, so in all the midst of the grass, just lying there. So we, a blanket, getting into the donkey, taking back to our centre. We have got in Hereford tests for drugs and for alcohol. None of those are issues at all. He's showing signs of hypothermia. If we weren't there at that particular time, would that be another statistic within Hereford? We don't know. Within the same couple of, couple of weeks as we're doing these evening patrols, it's again, it's the evening patrols that we're doing, come across the old bridge and the police are there in, the, in force and uh, what, what's happening? There's a missing person. They give us a bit of a description as who this person is. We go off as a team of um, three, get out the donkey, start to walk along the riverfront there. Within five minutes, we see someone in the undergrowth. Whether it's because we're wearing our red uniform, because we weren't the police, I'm not too sure. The police are there for criminality. We're there for vulnerability. The roles are very clear, distinct, in terms of how we operate, which is why we trust them and there is this partnership. And we're able to come alongside this lady and she has come out of the River Wye. She loves the sensation of cold water on her, but she spent too long in the Wye. It's not the first time she's been there. When she realizes it's venture, she's like, oh, I, Isla, do you know, Isla was my link worker six months ago. So we were able to be there. The police were just about to give up their missing person search. We're there at just the right time. Time and time again, these stories happen of how God leads us to be at just the right time along the... And, you know, we, we have co-leaders who aren't people of faith, but they respect the values for which we stand for. And then, um, yeah, we know it's more than just coincidence.